Awesome. Thanks, man. How are we doing, guys? All good? Praise the Lord. Thank God for cooler weather, eh? It was a warm one Friday, wasn't it? Much better yesterday. And all the more better this morning. Woo! All right. All right. God's good, amen? God is good. And His presence in our life every day is something to behold. And, uh, you know, we can take it so much for granted. We can just see that, you know, we can just go about our, our daily life and not acknowledge the presence of God in our life. But this morning we just want to um, just spend some time in the Word. And uh, it's just around something I've been contemplating uh, for a few weeks, just something that's been sitting on my heart. I actually shared a portion of it at our leaders' gathering um, last week. And it's all in relation to the, the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And the reason I've been thinking about it is that um, I've been actually, it's good to meditate on things and not just, just read over and over it. Who agrees with that? Yeah, it's, it's good to actually think about what you're reading in the Bible. There's a thought. Okay. Uh, and as I've, I've been contemplating that, I've just been actually asking myself, as I pray, as I acknowledge the name of Jesus in my life, what does that actually mean to me? How do I outwork that in my life? And, you know, if you've been around uh, Christian circles long enough, you know, we often see that people, um, you know, pray and then... At the end, you ever heard them say, uh, and in Jesus' name we ask, or we ask this in Jesus' name? You ever? I mean, I pray like that myself. Who, who prays like that? You know? And that's good. And, um, but sometimes I, I sit back and I reflect upon it, and I say, well, what does that actually mean? Because if we just do it out of, out of custom, out of tradition, out of, you know, because everyone else does it, I think it doesn't help us understand why we do it. We're just doing it to follow the trend or follow the crowd or whatever. And I just want to speak about that moment, not in a sense to say that it's right or wrong, but just in a sense to sort of get our mind thinking about why we do it and, um, and the meaning of it and the expression of it in the name of Jesus. You know, because sometimes it can almost be like that, it's almost like who's ever seen a magician, you know, old school magicians, and then at the end they say abracadabra, and pff, you know, the magic suddenly happens. And it's almost like tacking on, and I'm not saying it's for us, but it can almost become, if, we, if it just sort of rolls off the tongue with no meaning or intent or motive in it, it can almost become like a spiritual abracadabra. It's sort of like, well, if I don't say in the name of Jesus at the end of it, my prayer means nothing, it doesn't get through to God, or you know, it's, it's not valid or anything like that. You understand what I'm saying? And, and I want us to, to contemplate on this this morning, of why we actually ask for things in the name of Jesus. All right? And so we're going to look at a few scriptures first off. And um, I'm supposed to be set up with my clicky thing, as it was called. Here it is, my clicky thing. Woohoo! That's a technical name for it, clicky thing. All right. So, here's some scriptures. Let me get my glasses on so I can see what I'm reading. You can follow it up there, 
or if you've got your, your Bibles um, or your devices, you can follow it along on that. So I'm just going to read three scriptures and then we're going to reflect upon it. Matthew 6, 7 says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. Let that one sink in for a while. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you will need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now some versions have this last bit and some don't, but I love this last bit. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What a fantastic full stop to that. Okay, John fourteen thirteen says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Okay, and then he goes on a couple of chapters later in John 15, and he says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. Now, who's read those scriptures in the past? Yeah. And who has enacted upon it? I hope we all have. That we ask for things in the name of Jesus, in his name. All right? Now, when we look back in the context of these scriptures, and we look back at what you know, commentators call the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, he teaches us how to pray. And he asks us, you know, if you're going to pray, pray like this. He said, don't carry on like the other guys who just keep talking and talking and talking, thinking because they're sprouting off big fancy words and, you know, quoting the Old Testament and the Torah and blah, 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 that, you know, it's going to be any more valid prayer than if you don't. And I think today people, I often hear people and I often see Christians who are hesitant to pray in public because they don't feel as if they know how to pray. You understand that? If you're one of those people, can I just encourage you right now, it's not about how you pray or what words you say. It's actually about what's in your heart. As, as the scripture says, God already knows. So it's not about the words. We can muck the words up and say them all backwards and whatever. But when it comes to our heart, that's what God's looking at. The intent of the heart, the motive. And we're going to talk about motive a little bit later. And so Jesus is saying in the context of Matthew 16, he's given a whole lot of, uh, Matthew 6, he's given a whole lot of uh, um, instruction. The whole, you know, 5, 6, 7 is all a heap of instruction on prayer, on, on fasting, on um, you know, all that sort of stuff, marriage and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, and prayer is in amongst it. And he's saying, guys, don't babble on. Don't babble on. Don't, don't be like those that just talk for the sake of talking. Okay? Know what it is that you want to ask for and ask for it. A couple of, um, few years ago, 
I, um, I went through the whole Gospels, the four Gospels. And I did a little exercise for myself. And the exercise was going through all the prayers in the, in the four Gospels. All the prayers that Jesus prayed. And I, I sort of uh, put it all together in a sheet. And when I look at how Jesus prayed, I looked at it and I thought, that's not really how I'm praying. In actual fact, I could probably almost identify on the babbling pagan side rather than on, <laughs> you know, in the way I was praying. I was, just, I was just praying and praying, praying words and words and words, and yet I wasn't getting to the point. And when I look at the prayers of Jesus, he just got to the point. He asked for what needed to be asked for. And, um, for example... And I've got this available if anyone wants a, a copy of it. Matthew 8, 2 and 3. And, and also this is referred to in Mark 1, 40 and Luke 5. When he comes across a man with leprosy. You know what his prayer was? Be clean. That was his prayer. Doesn't sound like a mighty prayer, does it? That was his prayer. Be clean. And you know what? Guess what happened? Take a guess. Just a random stab in the dark. He was cured of leprosy. He was cleaned. Jesus went straight to the point. Why? Because the Father already knew. The Father already knew. And I'm not saying that, you know, praying for things uh, in the way we do is wrong. I'm not saying that. But I'm just trying to... Um, just, just get us to think about how we are praying, what we are praying for, how we actually express our desires to our Lord, how we pray for the sick and pray for situations. Because when we pray and we know what we're praying for, then my friends, things will start to happen. The scripture in John 14 talks about asking in my name and it will be done. Why? So that the Son may bring glory to God. Again, in the context, it's talking about doing greater things than Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to return to the Father and when I return, I will send you the Holy Spirit. He says, you are going to do even greater things than what you have seen me done. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe that. I want to see that outworked in my life. I want to see that a reality of my life day after day after day. And I believe if we are followers of Jesus Christ, that is our desire as well. Doing greater things. And we are able to do that because we have Holy Spirit with us. We are able to see the manifestation of the Holy Spirit through the gifts that he brings and the fruit that he, he, he imparts into us. Doing greater things, which involves asking in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In the context of John 15, he's talking about bearing fruit. 
It's not only speaking the scriptures out, but it's acting upon them in our life, bearing fruit. When we remain in the vine, we bear fruit. Now, all those are, are, are sermons in themselves. I'm only just quickly touching on them here to raise a point of saying, first and foremost, God is gracious and he is merciful. And even though we might not have the formula right, if there is any such thing as a formula, which I don't believe there is, even if we feel within ourselves that we can't express in words what we want to say, don't worry about it. In our prayer, what we are expressing is the motive of the heart. What we are expressing is a deep desire that comes from the seed of the Holy Spirit planting something in us that wants to see things change so that we can say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because it is through prayer that those things happen. It is through prayer that we see the manifestation of God's goodness upon this world and in every situation. Who's ever, who's ever seen this? Who's ever seen that, um, you know, someone's given their life to the Lord, um, they're starting to follow Jesus, and they're just, you know, you hear their prayers and you're sort of thinking to yourself, oh, gosh, it's not a very good prayer. And yet their prayers get answered. You ever seen that happen? I've seen it happen, you know. And yet us old phobies who have been following the Lord for a long time, praying, 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 and we've got to keep going in prayer and prayer and prayer, and we've got to persevere in prayer and prayer. And we're saying, Lord, how come I'm not seeing things change? God is gracious. God is gracious, my friends. And the reason I raise that point is to say it's not about the words. Okay? It's not about getting our words eloquent before the Lord. It's not about a formula. It's not about just tacking at the end of the prayer in the name of Jesus and all of a sudden abracadabra, it happens. It's not about that. It's about the desire of our heart. And it's about where we stand and whom we represent. We see in Acts 3, Peter and John going uh, to the temple and they're approaching um, Gate Beautiful and they see a cripple sitting there begging for money. An extraordinary thing happens. The man holds out his hand asking for money and who can remember what Peter says? Silver and gold I do not have but what I do have in the name of Jesus walk. That was his prayer and we saw the crippled man healed. Now there's three things I want to point out in this about Peter and the first is this 
and I want us to take it on board for ourselves. The first is he knew who he was and he knew the authority he had to speak. Can I say that again? He knew who he was and the authority he had to speak the name of Jesus. Peter knew who he was. Before the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, Peter was a bit iffy. He wasn't quite sure. He actually went back fishing. But when the Holy Spirit came into his life, he was sure of who he was. My friends, I want to ask you this morning, are you sure of who you are in Jesus? Because when we're speaking about praying in the name of Jesus... We have to know where we stand in regards to the name of Jesus. Because it's all about position and authority. Peter knew who he was. He also knew who Jesus was. And he knew that Jesus rose from the grave. And he knew that Jesus conquered death. And he knew that Jesus overcome everything. By his death and resurrection. He knew that. Do we know that in our heart? Or are we just thinking, I hope it's true. I hope it's right. There's got to be a conviction there. That we know, that we know, that we know that Jesus rose from the dead. And all authority has been given to him. Therefore go. That's us. That's who we are. That's whom we represent. How can we not pray in boldness? How can we not just say to the leper, be clean? I know I've done it myself. I've prayed for people and I've begged God, God, please do this. Can I ask you to rethink that and just command it in the name of Jesus? Know your position and authority. Say to the person with the sore back, back be healed in the name of Jesus. Every ligament, every nerve, the spine, be healed in Jesus' name. That's your authority. Just like Jesus prayed. By the way, who wants that? I'm just fiddling with it. Who'd like it? There you go. I hope I don't need it again. I'll ask for it back. When Jesus rose from the grave, he had victory over what? Everything of the devil. He had victory over all things. Third thing Peter knew, he knew the power associated with the name of Jesus. Silver and gold I don't have, mate. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. Right there, authority. Right there, boldness, proclamation, declaration. Everything that is given to Peter in that situation is given to us. I really want to encourage us to think that way when we're praying.
To pray in the name of Jesus is more than just tacking it on at the end of your prayer. It's almost like I'll pray, 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 quote scripture, quote scripture, quote scripture, sprout theology, rebuke, claim, all that sort of stuff. And then just to make it legitimate, I'll sign it off at the end in the name of Jesus. My friends, can I just get us... Are you thinking about it right now? Are you thinking about the way you're praying? I hope you are. Because as I've been contemplating this myself, I'm only sharing from what's been going on in my own spirit. About challenging myself in how I pray. How I express the authority that's been given to me. So here's the key. If you're taking notes, there's three things to write down. Okay? First is motive. James 4.3 says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Yeah, when I first read John 14, and I read the words of Jesus, it says, Ask for whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. I went, you beauty. What do I want? <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. I was only a brand new Christian. I was probably only a month or two into my Christian walk and I read that scripture and I thought, hmm, nice. (laughs) But who knows that's not what it is. It's not asking about, you know, things for selfish pleasure. Yes, obviously there are things that we, we need in our life. Being in a country like Australia... You know, we, we, we're not as needful as people in other parts of the world who, unless their prayers have answered, either die from sickness or die from starvation or die from warfare or anything like that. See, we don't have those issues here in Australia. But it's about giving glory to God. Every answered prayer should point to God. Every desire of our heart should be to give glory to God. And yes, you know, it can affect our situation. It can better our situation. It can improve the circumstances that we face. But in all of it, it's, it turns to God and it gives Him the glory. So that's the first thing. What motive are we asking? Because we can be saying one thing, but where does God look? Right here. He knows what the motive is. We can't fool God. Okay. The second thing is position. Is that up there? Know our position. Know who you are and who you have been created to be. Who are you? You are a child of God. Say it with me. I am a child of God. That's who we are. That's who we are. We don't have to earn that title. We've just got to place our faith and call our Father in heaven, Father, Abba, Daddy, Papa, whatever term of endearment 
lures you into that sense of security in that relationship with your heavenly Father. That's who we are. That's our position. We are royalty people. I know that because the Bible tells me so. We are royalty. Kings and priests. That's who we are. It's about relationship with the Father. Your children have a relationship with you because they are born of you. Flesh and blood. We are in a relationship with our Heavenly Father because we are born of the Spirit through faith. That's it. Full stop. End of story. It's who we are. Can I encourage you to see yourself in that matter? Because the devil will come along and say, oh, Rod, you mucked up today. God's not real happy with you. Yes, but I know if I ask for forgiveness, God is faithful and he forgives. Why? Because I am in a relationship with God, with my heavenly Father. Here's an interesting um, scripture in Matthew. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? In your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. It sounds like a harsh scripture, doesn't it? But again, I pointed out to highlight the fact that it's not about just sprouting the name of Jesus because I tell you what, a lot of people around the world use the name of Jesus, but it ain't in a godly context. You know what I mean? It comes back to relationship. Jesus says, I never knew you relationship what is your relationship with god with the father son and holy spirit it is by faith people it's not something you earn it's not something you tick boxes for yes i've prayed today tick yes i've read my bible tick yes i've done a good deed tick that's not what it's about it's about the acknowledgement by faith that god you are my father you created me i am unique I am special. That's who I am. Why? Because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's the relationship we need to have, every single one of us. Every single one of us. Third one is purpose. Doing what we were created to do. So not only being who we were created to be, but doing what we were created to do. What was Adam created to do? What was his mandate when he was created? Come on, what did God say to him? Rule over all creation. Rule. In other words, God gave him authority to rule. He didn't have to keep going back to God and saying, God, is it all right to do this? 
God actually gave Adam the right to rule in his situation. My friends, as born again, Bible-believing, Christ-following people, we are born to rule. Amen? We are born to take authority over our life, over our situation. We are born to respond, not to react. We are actually called to rule over ourselves, first of all. That's called discipline. We are called to rule in our situation. Now, sometimes people get a bit mixed up and think, well, that's about being a master and everything else is a slave. Everyone else around me is a slave. No, that's not right. First of all, it's about ruling ourselves, who we are. Here's some things I want us to, to think about as I finish off. We are created to be the head and not the tail. Okay? Created to be the head and not the tail. You see, the head points away. The head faces into the wind and, and, and breaks the wind as it moves forward. The tail... Well, it just passes wind, doesn't it? The head cuts through. The head shows the way. We are the head, not the tail. We are created to face the circumstances head on, persevere and respond appropriately. That's what we are meant to do. That's who we are created to to be someone who will look into a situation see it as an opportunity to bring glory to God and respond in the appropriate manner you know what the tail does the tail reacts in fear and either fights or runs but that's not who we are We are called to respond with the expression of the fruit of the Spirit. With love, with joy, with peace, with patience, with self-control. King James calls it long-suffering. It's called long-suffering because it means sometimes you've got to suffer long before you get through it. That's patience. We are created to be out the front leading the way, not out the back trying to catch up. And my friends, not only as individuals but as a church, that's who we are. We are the head. We are not the tail. I don't want to be catching up to the community in which we live. I want us as a church to lead the way. To respond positively in every situation, not react to it after it's passed. As a body of Christ called to influence the community we live in. Even in the, the old prophet wrote, Seek the peace and prosperity while you are in exile. 
That's what the Israelites were told to do while they were in exile. Don't sit and complain about the situation, but actually seek the peace and prosperity and the advancement and the betterment of the community in which you live while you are actually in exile. And so praying and asking in the name of Jesus is actually more than just saying the words at the end of a prayer. It is actually the full expression of who we are. It's knowing that the name of Jesus is above all names. To be respected and revered. To in a sense almost cause those that hear the name of Jesus to sort of stop and think, "Mm, what a powerful name. It's almost like, who's ever watched Lion King? When the hyenas are... are, are, Hyenas. What do I say? What are hyenas? So you don't have to preach properly and people still know what you're talking about. And one of them says that name. But guys, in all seriousness, the name of Jesus should just bring that sense of awe. Why do you think the devil has turned it into a swear word? As a word that is just used to you know, the name of Jesus has power. The name of Jesus overcomes. It is the name above all names. The name of Jesus. My friends, as I finish up, I want us to contemplate these things, even as we are praying in the name of Jesus. That not just let it roll off your tongue and, you know, just add a, a matter of, of habit, but actually to see it. As something that is powerful, beautiful, has meaning, and something that can conquer every situation that we face. The name of Jesus is more about your position and your purpose and your relationship with God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. I'm going to ask Jamie to come now and just take over. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks, Rod. Good word. Let's, um, let's come around the table of communion at the moment. Can I please ask the ushers to hand out the bread and the juice?